You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. So, so good to be with you all this morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake, and I am um, thrilled that uh, you have to listen to my squeaky voice right now, but it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to get good. This is just Matt showing that we really do need more people on the tech team. He's like, I'm just going to mess with that a few times. So anyways, hey, um, I'm excited about this morning. Last week, we began a vision series for our church. And if you weren't here last week, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. I, I don't usually say that. Go back and listen to me. It feels kind of weird. But last week's message was super important because we laid out where we believe God is taking us as a church, our direction, or really what we're calling our big prayer as a church. And what I share with you all is that where we believe God has headed us and what he's placed on our hearts and what we are joining with him to do is to, is to see his kingdom come and his will be done in Austin as it is in heaven, or simply put, in Austin as it is in heaven. And that's our big, big prayer as a church. And man, it was so fun laying that out for y'all last week. And I've, got, I've heard so much from so many of y'all this week about how excited you are that was really encouraging to get to hear too. And it's like, let's do this. And guys, I think God is doing something big right now in this chapter of Midtown Church. And I am just really looking forward to our future together and partnering with God in this as we pray into seeing the day when every, uh, seeing the day where it's in Austin as it is in heaven. So last week though, not only did I lay that out for us, but I got us into the question, sorry, asking the question, okay, if that's what we're going to be about as a church, if that's going to be our big prayer as a church, then uh, how do we, like, what do we do with that other than pray? Now, real quick, when I say other than prayer, that does not mean the discount actually praying. That is the vital word. I really want to invite all of y'all to make this a part of your prayer, that it would be in Austin as it is in heaven. Because I think about this, friends. What does that actually mean? What's heaven like? Heaven is, heaven is where everyone there knows what God is like. They know him. They know how awesome he is. They know how he loves them, and they are reconciled to him. And in heaven, it's, it's everything that is broke. There's, well, realize everything is right. There's nothing that's broken. In heaven, all relationships, not just with God, but with one another, are whole and flourishing, and, and diverse communities are unified and, and thriving in heaven. That's where justice reigns and where the last are first, and everyone experiences joy and peace because they're in the very presence of God. Who does not want that for our city? And we all want that, right? Jesus wants that. Jesus is the one who taught us to pray this prayer. It's the Lord's prayer. We recognize it, right? And your kingdom come, your will be done in earth. But since we are in Austin, we're saying, okay, yeah, in Austin, as it is in heaven. This is one. We, but the, again, back to last week, I said, okay, well, how do we partner with God in that? First, let's pray it. Make that a regular prayer. But two, what else do we do? Well, big idea from last week was this. The way that we partner with God, in addition to praying, 
to see Austin become more like heaven is by committing to follow Jesus. See, because Austin will become more like heaven as we become more like Jesus. As we become more like Jesus, that's what's going to flow. Austin will become more like heaven. And so we as a church, in light of our vision, where God's taken us in Austin as is in heaven, we are doubling down on the importance of helping each other follow Jesus or be disciples of Jesus or apprentices to Jesus. Now, last week I said that that um, really boils down to three things. If you want to get practical, like when we talk a lot about following Jesus around here, it's like, okay, what exactly does that mean? It's kind of a squishy term for some of us. So we said, no, really, the idea of following Jesus really boils down to three essentials. If you were here last week, do you remember them? Hopefully, maybe. I'm not going to quiz you. I just put them back up here. But this is stuff I would want to encourage you all to, to really, like, own. See, the uh, being a follower of Jesus entails uh, reorienting your life around these three goals. The first is being with Jesus. Second is becoming like Jesus. And then the third is doing what Jesus did. That's what the followers of Jesus did from the very beginning. And we, as we follow Jesus, as we, you know, are with him, become like him and do what he did, we will be partnering with him to see Austin become more like heaven. And so following Jesus is essential if we're going to partner with God and seeing our vision, our big prayer become a reality. And so what I'm doing today and then for the next two weeks is that we're going to boil, we're going to just drill down on these three goals. Today, I'm going to talk about being with Jesus. Next week, we'll do becoming like Jesus and then following, close out the series with, with uh, doing what Jesus did. All right. And so that's the game plan. You with me up to this point? You good with this? Okay, great. If you will, go to John chapter one on your Bible, on your phone, or I'll have the slides up here too, but we're going to go to John chapter one and start off there because in this passage, it just gives us another uh, great picture. We looked at a few of them last week, but a great picture of just what Jesus's normal invitation was to his would-be or prospective disciples. See, in John chapter one, verse 35, it says, uh, the next day, John, and that's John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, which there's actually a little comedy here. Like, it's like these two disciples of John's hear John say this, and they're like, John, like, it's been really great following you, and thanks for being my rabbi, but uh, if, if that's who you say it is, then we're out, right? And like, we're going to go follow this guy. And so they leave John. They start following Jesus. Next verse says, the next, uh, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, hey, what do you want? Very intriguing question. What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went and they saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Okay. This is a very common interaction that Jesus had with any of his would-be followers. That, they, that his invitation was what? Come and see. Or put in you know, modern-day vernacular, we would say something like, hey, come and hang out with me. Come and, come and be with me. And that was the first invitation of Jesus. Anyone who would follow him because that's where following him begins. 
it begins with actually being with him. That if you want to follow Jesus, we have to be with Jesus. And so that's how it began in the first century. And the question, and then that's how it's still going to begin for us today. But of course, that uh, begs the question, right? Well, what, how do, exactly do you do that now? Right? I get it, doing that in the first century in Israel, but how do you follow Jesus in 21st century in Austin, Texas? Like, what's that actually look like? Well, uh, Jesus tells us uh, not only uh, what it looks like, but how it's possible. And that's what I want to help you all see this morning. First, I want to begin with how it's possible. See, Jesus in John chapter 14 begins to point us to how it's possible for us still today to be with him. In John 14, and really that whole part, uh, in part of the book of John, the gospel of John, starting in John chapter 13 and on, Jesus really starts preparing his followers for the time that he's going to leave them. He starts preparing them for the fact that he's just about to go to the cross and then after the resurrection, he's going to eventually ascend to the Father. And so he starts talking about leaving them. But when he starts talking about that, he points to someone, specifically the Holy Spirit, who will come in his place. John 14, verse 16, is an example of that. Let's look at that together. Jesus is speaking. He says, I will ask the Father, meaning God the Father, and he will give you another advocate, to help you, and here's the key language, and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now, okay, real quick, this, this uh, phrase, this another advocate, it's kind of a hard term to uh, translate from the Greek into English. Advocate is a fair translation. It also could be helper. It also can have this idea of like a one like me or one of me, and so Jesus is saying, I'm sending one like, like me or helper like me who's going to be with you forever. And then he continues, he says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Again, with you kind of language, right? Now, if you skip down just a couple of verses later in uh, verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 25, it says this, all of this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Okay, so big idea here. According to Jesus, even though he was leaving, he's talking about leaving, he's saying, okay, in my place I'm sending the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will be with his followers. And then, if you just kept on reading through John 14, and you got to the beginning of John 15, just two paragraphs later, you would see that Jesus does something pretty intriguing. Because right after telling him that he's leaving, telling his followers that he's leaving and that he's sent the Holy Spirit, he gives one of those clearest and strongest teachings about the importance of being with him. Which is weird because it's like his disciples had to be thinking like, "What well, didn't you just say you're leaving and now you're talking about the importance of being with you? But that's what he starts talking about. It's the passage that Carson just read for us. Let me read it again for us. In John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the vine. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches, as if it wasn't clear. Like Jesus, like, hey, let me, let me you know, make sure you're following here. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Thanks for the vote of confidence, Jesus. This is very clear. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you, may, uh, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, did you see a word showing up a bunch of times in that? It's the word remain. Uh, remain. It's, uh, in the Greek, it's the word minnow. It, it is eight times. You see it eight times right here in these eight verses. Jesus is really trying to drive home an idea. That word, that Greek word minnow can be translated remain. That's a great translation. Or abide. You know, sometimes you see that in different translations. Or it really carries with it the idea of being with. Or making your home with. Like being at home with. Jesus. Jesus is stressing right here. Again, right after he said, I'm leaving, he says, man, it's vitally important that you, if you're going to be my disciples, that you are with me, that you remain with me, like a vine to a branch. It's, it's, it's so vitally important. In fact, if you are not remaining in me, if you're not with me, then I will not be able to bear fruit in your life. And you will not be able to become like me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, the, the for her, Put it another way, he's making the point that it's impossible to follow him and become like him and do what he did without first and foremost being with him. <laughs> Again, I, I'm a disciple. I'm thinking, didn't you just say you're leaving? Like, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about, Jesus? How are you? I, I get being with you right now but you're leaving? How do I be with you? And, and so Jesus, as if like he knows that's the question in their mind, he, he goes next in John 15 and into John 16, again, to talk about the Holy Spirit. In fact, he makes some really strong statements about the Holy Spirit. And in uh, chapter 16, let me just read one of them. He says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. What? Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you but if I go, I will send him to you. Okay, it's a big picture here. According to Jesus, it's vitally important for us if we're going to follow him and he's going to bear his fruit in our lives. It's vitally important that we are with him. And the way that we can be with him today is through the Holy Spirit that he has sent to us. Spirit of God. And it's because of the Holy Spirit that we can remain in the vine so that the fruit of Christ's character, his life, is produced in us, leading us to become like Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul, 
picks up on that teaching in his writing to the church in Galatia. And in Galatians chapter 5, a very famous passage, he says this. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Meaning, you, 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 won't, you won't give in to the things in you that are contrary to Jesus, that are not like Jesus. If you stay in step with the Spirit, if you walk by the Spirit. And then he goes on, he says, but here's what will happen if you do that. If you walk with the Spirit, he says, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, now, this is a very famous teaching for good reasons, but I think it's also an, huh, often misunderstood because Paul is picking up on what Jesus was teaching in John 15. But sometimes we read Galatians 5 and we say, we, we read it as if these things, the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and forbearance or patience, like those, we read them as commands. Like Paul is saying, okay, here's what kind of person you're, you're supposed to be. Try to be more loving, try to be more at peace, try to be more joyful and that kind of stuff. But here's the thing, these are not commands. Do you notice that? Like Paul is not commanding you to be at peace. He's not commanding you to be kind. There are other passages where we kind of have more of a command in that, I think 1 Peter 1. But in this passage, that's not, it's not a command. In fact, there's only, in Galatians 5, there's only really one command. It's stated two different ways. And the command is this. It's to uh, walk by the Spirit, verse 16. And in verse 25, it's to keep in step with the Spirit. Or in the words of Jesus, it's to remain in the vine. See, Paul is talking about the same thing that Jesus is talking about. For it's through walking in the Spirit or remaining in the vine that we will bear fruit, or more specifically, that God will bear his fruit in our lives, transforming us to become more like Jesus. That the life of Jesus, meaning like the love of Jesus, peace of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the gentleness, the kindness, the self-control that, that, that permeated Jesus's life will be born out into your life as you partner with God by remaining in the vine or staying in step with the Spirit, being with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Now, I just said partnering with God because it is a partnership. Like we have a role to play and God has a role to play. God's role is, is like 90% of it, and our role is like 10% of it. It's not 50-50, but we still have a role to play, okay? And, and our role that we play is remaining in the vine. It's being with Jesus. It's staying in constant awareness and connection to his presence. It's, it's staying a step with the Spirit. It, it's, it's remaining. And as we are with Jesus, then God does his part, which is to produce his life, the life of Jesus, love, joy, peace, in our lives, making us more like Jesus. It's like a vine and branches. You know, 
It's a great metaphor Jesus uses. I just went to Fredericksburg with Krista, my wife, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she took me to a vineyard. Never, never had been to a vineyard before, and it was, it was lovely. And um, as I was in the vineyard of looking at these, you know, great branches, vines, and, and I don't know what I'm looking at, but you know what? None of those branches, none of them look stressed out. I can tell you that much. Like I just say, they just look like they were doing just fine. And uh, they weren't like, you know, super stressed, like, oh, I've got to make a grape or anything like that. They were just, they were just chilling, you know? And they were, they were grapes. They seemed to be doing just, you know, they were great. All they did, all the branches did is they just stayed connected to the vine. Friends, you want to become like Jesus? Jesus said, Here, here's all you need to stay connected to me. Be with me. Remain in my presence through the Holy Spirit and I will produce my fruit in your life, making you like me. Now, that's the first really big idea, and I hope that you will walk away with that this morning. It's, if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to be with Jesus. The way that we're able to still be with Jesus today is through the Holy Spirit. And as you, as you remain in the Spirit, remain in the vine, he will produce his fruit in us, making us to become like Jesus. Is that is that good? Can you come up and teach that? Let's go. No, okay. Hopefully you're getting that, right? Hopefully that's becoming clear. That's really, really important. However, if you're tracking with me, then perhaps a question is forming in your mind, especially if you're like a pragmatist like, like I am, which is, okay, um, but what does that really mean, <laughs> right? Like, what, like let, talk practical. What does it really look like to remain in the vine or to stay in step with the Spirit, to be with Jesus today? Like, I get it's possible through the Spirit. I see Jesus taught that. But like, but how? Like, practically, how? Like, I don't, like if I was one of Jesus' disciples in the first, first century, like, you know, Jesus is in front of me teaching John 15, the importance of remaining in the vine. And I would have been the guy that's like, you know, raising my hand. I guess, you, I don't know if you raise your hand when you know, you're at, interrupting Jesus, but it seems like the appropriate thing to do. And I'd probably raise my hand and be like, uh, Jesus, you know, um, it's, it's a beautiful metaphor. I, uh, you know, vine and branches, I see what you're getting at. I like it, it's, it makes sense. But can, can, can you just, dumb it down for me? Can you just get it practical? Like, what, what do I do tomorrow to do that, right? Like, how, how do I do, do what you're saying here? How do I actually remain in the vine? What's that really look like practically? I don't know about y'all. Like, would y'all ask that question? Would y'all want that question? Would y'all be asking the same question with me? It's weird that the disciples didn't ask that question. At least we don't have any record of them asking that question. John, if they did, John left it out. But I don't think they asked it. I don't think they asked that question, and here's why I think that. I think they didn't ask Jesus how to remain in the vine or how to stay in the presence of God through the Spirit because they had just watched Jesus do it for multiple years. I think the reason they didn't say, Jesus, get, get practical. What exactly should we do tomorrow is because they saw what Jesus did day after day after day. For Jesus modeled for them the lifestyle, the way, the practices of how to remain in the presence of the Father through the Spirit. The way that he lived is the answer to how do you do this practically. 
And I think Jesus' disciples got it because he'd been modeling it for them. Now, before any of us think, well, wait, 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 no, the reason that Jesus remained with the Father and he said this because he's God, right? <laughs> like, and that's true. Jesus is God, God the Son, 100% God, but he is also 100% man. Jesus became a man, 100%. And as a man, he modeled for us as an example of how any person, any of us, can live in a constant state of awareness, connection, abiding, remaining in the vine, or walking in step with the Spirit. And his disciples saw him doing that. And they learned from his example, and so they knew how to do it as well. And then thankfully, some of those followers of Jesus wrote what Jesus did down, so that we too can learn from Jesus's example, his lifestyle, what it looks like to actually practically remain in the vine. Of course, those are known as the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the gospels, we get to see how Jesus lived. Like, y'all notice, notice, uh, notice the, the gospels, they don't just contain Jesus' teachings, and they don't just include all of this, like, miracles that he did. They, and they certainly include some of his teachings, some of his miracles. But, they, but more than any of that, they're just biographies. And they, they include uh, random details of Jesus' life. Things like, you know, one solitary morning, got up on his own to go pray. Or one Sabbath, he went into the synagogue. And you're like, why is it telling us these kind of like just mundane things about Jesus' life and what he did? Well, the reason why is because they're biographies. His, his disciples wanted us to know not just what he said, but how he lived. Because it's in seeing how he lived that we have an opportunity to learn from his example of how we are to remain in the vine or stay in step with the Spirit, remain in the presence of of God through the Spirit. Does that make sense? You follow me? Because this is an important point. It's from Jesus' lifestyle that we learn how to do what he's saying we need to do, which is be with him. It's how Jesus lives that teaches us how to do that. Um, so if you go and you read the four Gospels, you begin to notice different aspects of Jesus' lifestyle. I mean, just let me paint with a really broad stroke here, but a couple of things that you'll see is that like he was, he was never in a rush. He was unhurried. And he spent a lot of time in community. But he also spent a lot of time alone. Like he would get up early to pray or go away overnight on a prayer retreat or he would slip away from the disciples to the garden in order to process his feelings with the Father. And each week, Jesus would Sabbath, like he would take a, he set aside an entire day once a week to rest and worship. And here, here's the thing. Jesus was full of love and joy and peace and compassion and mercy. And again, you think, well, of course he was. He was, he was God. But he was also Jesus of Nazareth, just a man, like us. And he had hard struggles, hard times. In fact, you know, just like we do. In fact, you could actually argue he, he has much harder, he had a much harder life than we did, you know, because the cross, 
right? I mean, you, you just argue that it was harder for him in a lot of ways than, than our lives are. And yet, Jesus was at peace. Now, think back to John chapter 14. Remember the statement Jesus made there when he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. But how many times, how many of us would say that, oh, we're actually experiencing his peace? Did you say that? My guess is not, not many of us. Really, like we just live in this time of worry and anxiety and fear. I mean, COVID surely hasn't helped in any of that. But like we're, we're just, like all of our society is wracked with that kind of stuff. And we think, okay, well, I, I wish I had the peace of Jesus. I want that. Jesus, how, how do I get that? Well, friends, the answer is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's by remaining in the vine. It's by remaining in the presence of God, just as Jesus did. So the answer to the pragmatic question, how do you remain in the vine or stay in step with the Spirit, is by doing what Jesus did, by practicing the way of Jesus. You take up his lifestyle. Or to quote the pastor and author John Mark Comer, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the life of Jesus, then you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. You want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Now, don't mishear me, okay? I'm not talking about forgiveness of sins. If you want to experience the saving grace of Jesus and be reconciled to God, and that comes simply by believing, simply by faith in Jesus and what he has done for you. It's given to you as a gift that you receive at the moment. But friends, if you want to see your character become like Jesus, that your life would look like his life, that you would have more love and, and joy and peace, patience, friends, that comes by practicing the ways of Jesus adopting his lifestyle because it's his lifestyle that it was the means by which he stayed connected to the vine it was in the way that he lived that he was actively practicing the presence of god walking in step with the spirit or what he would call remaining in the vine see it's like this um in sixth grade I watched the uh, all-time classic documentary, Come Fly With Me, which was the first documentary ever produced about Michael Jordan. And it, it was awesome. And so I watched this uh, documentary on Michael Jordan and I, I was just blown away. He's like the greatest ever. And so I just, you know, I, I did what any, uh, you know, middle school kid did at, the, at that time. I just said, I want to be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. And so I drank Gatorade because there was a whole thing about that. And then and I also took the, doc, you know, watched the documentary and I saw the things that Michael Jordan did when he was a kid because that's the documentary is really focused on when he was a kid and kind of through high school and then getting in the pros and then eventually becoming the best player ever. And he is the, still the best NBA player ever. LeBron has to win a couple more rings. It's just, a, it's just a, for sure. It's, it's no argument. But, um, yeah. So anyways, I was, I was watching this and I'm thinking, man, okay, I want to be like Mike. Well, you know what that led me to do? 
It led me to want to start doing the things that I saw that Michael Jordan did when he was a kid. And one, even some of the crazy things. Like uh, one of the funniest things that Michael Jordan did was that he wasn't, he wasn't as tall as he wanted to be. And so as a kid, he would go to the monkey bars at the playground, and he would hang upside down on the monkey bars in hopes that that would stretch him out so he would grow taller. And I said, okay, Jordan did that, I'm going to do that. And so I literally would go to the playground. I didn't do this forever, but I did do this for a little while. I'd go to the playground, and I would hang upside down because I wanted to be like Mike. This is what Mike did, so this is what I'm going to do. And so my, my boys are laughing at me. Yeah, yeah, you're going to do the same thing. But, um, and Michael Jordan, Dr. Me said he brought his basketball with him everywhere. So I brought my basketball with me everywhere and he practiced all the time and so i started practicing all the time i just like what michael did is what i was going to do so i could be like mike at least i did that for a little while and then it got a little tiresome and burdensome and so i quit and the reason and i'm i still to this day like regret that because i'm sure that's why i'm not in the nba is because (laughs) i just quit doing what michael jordan I don't know if that was nice, that, 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 that hearty laughter. I don't, I don't know if that was kind of y'all. As a, tw- <laughs> As a 12-year-old, I got it. If I wanted to be like Michael Jordan, I had to start practicing the lifestyle of Michael Jordan. Friends, you want the life of Jesus? You want his character? Love and joy and peace. You got to practice the lifestyle of Jesus. You have to adopt his lifestyle because it's his lifestyle is the way that he stayed in step with the Spirit. It's the way that he stayed in the presence of the Father. It's the way that we will also. As we stay in step with the Spirit by practicing the lifestyle of Jesus, the Spirit will produce Jesus' life in us. So, this lifestyle of Jesus, or what I like to call the practices of Jesus, or what are also often known as spiritual disciplines. There isn't like an exhaustive list in uh, Scripture of all of them, but there's, you know, really common ones. I'll put a few of them up here for you, like silence and solitude, and community and prayer and fasting and reading and meditating on the Bible and Sabbath. And friends, all of those practices are based on the lifestyle of Jesus himself. They are what he did. They are time-tested ways to make space in our life to slow down and be with God. There are, and no, just real quick, don't get it twisted. None of these are an end in of themselves. They're all a means to an end. Like the point of reading your Bible is not just to read your Bible. The point of, the point of uh, praying is not just so you can say you prayed. And the point of fasting is just, it's not just to go without food. You don't do these things just for them, and you don't do these things to earn something from God. We don't do these things to get God's love or acceptance that's freely given to us wholly and completely in Christ based on what he has done for us. No, the reason that we do these things, other than because Jesus did them, is because the reason Jesus did them is because this is how you be with God. This is how you spend time with God. This is how you remain in the vine. That's why Jesus did these. These are his practices, and they're time-tested ways for us to stay in step with the Spirit, to remain in the vine, so the Spirit can produce Jesus' life 
through us. We can become like him. See, these practices help us turn to the truth that God's with us. So when I sit down in the morning and I open up my Bible, what I often think is, God, I know you're here. You're always with me. And he is. He's always with us. But I wasn't with you. I woke up, I had a million different things on my mind, and I was busy, and I'm running around, and I got to get to stuff, and kids got to get to school and all that stuff. But I, I, all right, you're with me, and now I'm with you. And now we're here together. And I can take a deep breath. I can enjoy the presence of God. Or throughout the day, when I set an alarm to cause me to stop in the middle of the day so I could just pause and breathe in and breathe out and set my mind on God and spend some time in prayer. That's my way of reconnecting. I got, okay, God, I know you're here, but I wasn't here. My mind was in returning all those emails and all the to-do lists, and all, but now I'm here. And you're here. We're here together. Because these practices, this is what Jesus did. This, this is his lifestyle. As we adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, then we will be abiding in the vine and the spirit will produce his life in us. So I want to encourage us to do that. As he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And by his way of life, he showed us how to do that. So, I'm running out of time here. Let me boil it down to this. Practicing the lifestyle of Jesus, taking up these habits will feel overwhelming. We wish that we could just get God to download his character in us immediately. Like God make me more loving, he just made us more loving. But the way that it happens is we remain in him and over time he produces this in us. And so it's very important that we over time continue to remain in him, practice these things. But taking on new habits, creating a new lifestyle, aligning our life to the lifestyle of Jesus, that's not easy. It can feel really overwhelming, and I get that. I do. I get that. I'm a, I'm a dad of three. I have an awesome wife that I like to spend time with, and then I have a job, you know, and much to y'all's surprise, perhaps, like my job as a pastor isn't just praying all the time. I wish it was. I tried to do that a lot, but I have other things I have to do as well. And so, like, there's things that I, like, I, you know, I have an iPhone. I live in this city. We have Netflix. Like, I have distractions all the time. I got lots of stuff. It's hard to figure out how to change your lifestyle to be with Jesus, but guys, it's vitally important as a follower of Jesus to be with him. It's where everything begins. So I want to give us one step to take this week, and I want to point you to one resource to help us move forward in this. The first step, the one initial kind of baby step to begin to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be produced in us is this. For 10 minutes each day, I want to ask that you would practice silence and solitude. Silence and solitude. For 10 minutes, you turn off everything, no background music, no nothing. Put your phone away. You don't even need your Bible. You can. You can have your Bible. I'm a big, big, big fan, big believer of the Bible, right? But I'm not saying, like, read your Bible. I'm saying 10 minutes, cut out all of the distractions, and just sit with Jesus. Let your mind reflect on like, who, who is Jesus? What has he done for me? 
Who am I as a result? How does he feel about me? Just, or just talk to him about your day. Invite him into the day with you. Process your feelings with him. Just be with him. Ten minutes each day. Can you start there? It will help set your mind on the reality that God is with you, and it will be a way for you to be with him as well, because that's where the magic happens. That's the first thing. Now the resource. On your tables are these menus, training huddles, uh, training huddle uh, menus. This semester, we are committed, and really as a church, we're committed to helping you learn how to uh, practice the way of Jesus. We want to help us do that together. And so these training huddles are here to teach you how to do this, to learn so that you can learn how to do this. And so the t- adopting the lifestyle of Jesus is a lot. It's a lot to bite off, right? In like one week, like I'm going to do all this. No, no. Slow down. It's going to take some time, but we want to help hold your hand. We want to help guide you in how to do this. And so in particular, there's two training huddles I want to point you to. One is led by Alyssa, and it's on how to hear from God. And it's going to be really good. She's going to teach you how to hear from God in God's word. How to be with God in that way. Second training huddle is the emotional, healthy spirituality that Matt is leading and that Krista and I are also leading. So there's two different offerings for that. And that book, is, is, we're going to take you through, it's going to teach teaches you how to be with Jesus so that you can become more like Jesus. I would really recommend that you check those out, okay? Those are the resources. Now here's the last thing. Man, I went way over time. Sorry, guys. Just, a, just good stuff, though. There's a big stuff. There's a little stuff I want enjoy to hear because this is so vitally important. That's what I want to end with. Is this, a, it, this is so important. Following Jesus begins with being with Jesus. And guys, if we want this city to become more like heaven, we have to become more like Jesus. And the way we become more like Jesus is by being with him that the Spirit will produce his life in us. So let's do this. Want the life of Jesus? Let's adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.